Saudi Aramco was originally an American company. It goes way back to the 1930s when two American geologists from Standard Oil of California discovered oil in the Saudi desert. Standard Oil formed a consortium with Texaco, Exxon, and Mobil, which became Aramco. It wasn't until the 1980s that Saudi Arabia bought them out and nationalized the company. Today, Saudi Aramco is the custodian of the country's sole source of wealth and power. Saudi Aramco is a massive complex along the Persian Gulf, hundreds of miles east of the megaprojects. Over 16,000 people work here at the company's compound, which is like a little country, with its own security force, schools, hospitals, even its own airline. Abdallah Juma is president and CEO of Saudi Aramco. So this is your headquarters. This is our headquarters. And uh, how big is Aramco? Uh, Saudi Aramco is the world's largest oil producing company. And it's the richest company in the world, worth, according to the latest estimate, $781 billion. This oh is the heart of our operation. This is the nerve center. It keeps going. Look at this. This is gigantic. He gave us a tour of the company's command center, where engineers scrutinize and analyze every aspect of the company's operations on a 220-foot digital screen. Every facility in the kingdom, every drop of oil that comes from the ground is monitored in real time. In this room? In this room. And we have control of each and every facility, each and every pipeline, each and every valve on the pipeline. And therefore, we know exactly what is happening in the system from A to Z. What this map shows is all the oil fields in Saudi Arabia. That big green blob in the middle is Gawar, the largest onshore oil field in the world. And the one on top is Safania, the largest offshore oil field in the world. And these green squares are supertankers that are being monitored on the high seas in real time. So there's not anything that goes on with oil, with Saudi Arabian oil that isn't known in this room absolutely, right now? Absolutely, absolutely. How much did this facility cost you? A lot of money. <laughs> and what you see today is a company that is as professionally sound as any international oil company. Before Ali Al-Naimi became oil minister, he ran Saudi Aramco for 11 years. He was the first Saudi president and CEO. You have, as you just said, one of the most efficient, cutting-edge, 21st century companies in the world yes. within one of the most religious, conservative countries in the world. It's, it's almost a paradox. We were surprised by this. I don't think there is any, any really surprise. M many people have images of Saudi Arabia, but they really change their views and images when they come and visit Saudi Arabia. But to Western eyes, it is a paradox. Skyscrapers, traffic jams, and shopping malls coexist with ancient tribal customs. The king and the Koran reign supreme, and women everywhere are required to cover themselves in black from head to toe. Even I had to wear the abaya. The rules apply everywhere, it seems, 
except for the women at Saudi Aramco. When the U.S. oil companies came here in the 40s and 50s, the Americans moved into the area with their families and developed it to suit their tastes and their way of life. They created a replica of American suburbia. Today, you could be in the outskirts of Houston or Los Angeles. It's almost like a, an enclave within Saudi Arabia. It, it's, it's, it's different from the rest of the country. Yes, that's true. Because Very different. It's, it, it kept a lot of the American ways. Yes, of course. But they blocked off from the rest. They are good ways. There's nothing wrong with these ways. They are excellent ways. But I was so surprised to see the culture there because, for instance, I saw men and women working side by side. I saw women driving cars there, which you don't see. It's not strange. Not strange to him, he's a product of that culture, having risen through the ranks. He started out as a 12-year-old office boy in 1947 when it was said that to get oil, all you needed to do was ladle it out of the sand. It was never that easy, according to Aramco CEO Juma. It takes a lot of effort. The oil is a gift from God. The recovery of oil is really the work of men. And this is part of it here. Here in this room, Aramco engineers are making sure that not one drop of oil is overlooked. These computers are receiving data via satellite from sensors mounted on drill bits that are burrowing deep into the oil fields all over Saudi Arabia. The engineers are sending IMs, instant messages, that actually guide the drill bits. He is now directing that drill bit to go into the best areas of the reservoirs and suck that oil from it and not leave any oil behind So in other supply. words, this drill bit's like a snake. It is like, doesn't exactly. go like that. No. It would go down and then and follow where yes, the oil is. Yes, absolutely. And, and mind you, this is happening 400 to 500 miles from here geographically, and we are sending that drill bit also two or three miles uh, in the ground. Al Juma says with this technology, they're able to recover 10 times more oil than before. But global demand is dwindling. Even Americans, the world's leading gas guzzlers, are buying less. In the last 10 months, um, Americans drove 78 billion fewer miles than they did in the 10 months last year, same 10 months. Um, this is quite a dramatic decrease in driving. To put it in, in better numbers, I think your uh, consumption dropped by a million barrels. Is, is there a, a thinking that this decrease in demand might be permanent? Uh, no, no. He says the U.S. is Saudi Arabia's number one customer, and the question is, what will Aramco do to keep it that way? One thing is discourage the move toward electric cars by trying to alleviate our concerns about the environment. They showed us their new $4 million experimental combustion engine, which they hope will increase gas mileage while it lowers CO2 emissions. What we want to see is that there is an emphasis on also making this oil greener and making the fossil fuels in general uh, greener because they're going to be with us for the long haul. Let me be blunt, yeah. okay, and uh, ask you to be candid. Yeah. Is it Aramco's 
hope to prevent uh, a, a switch away from oil. Somebody said the country is the oil business. I mean, you absolutely need to do this for, for your own survival. And what's wrong with that? Well, I didn't say anything was wrong with it, but yeah. it's a fact. You'd, you'd admit it's a fact. Yeah, we admit a fact that yes, this is, uh, we depend on the oil industry. We want it to help us, you know, to develop our economy and to develop the economy of the world. So what is good for the well-being of Saudi Arabia should be good for the well-being of the world too. So there's nothing wrong with that. And so what do you say to people out there like Al Gore and, and now Mr. Obama that, that say, we have to devote ourselves, mm -hmm. devote ourselves to, to reducing our dependence on oil. My answer to this is we have to be realistic. We don't have the alternatives today. Yeah. If there are alternatives, be my guest and come and bring them in. But they are not there. You're saying whatever the world does in terms of wind, nuclear, coal, we're still going to need oil. You still and a going lot of it to need no oil and, and a lot of it. Politicians use this all the time, that we're addicted, addicted to foreign oil. And addiction has a dark connotation, because if you're addicted, there's a suggestion that there's a drug dealer who's trying to keep you hooked. It's in the air that you want to keep us hooked. There is nothing addictive about uh, oil. If you look back a hundred years, what would the world be without it? Even President Bush was an oil man. Even he has said, we're addicted to this and we have to get off this oil. But listen to what the professionals say and what do they advise. It's not going to happen today. It's not going to happen 10 years from now. It's probably not going to happen 20 years from now. It's not going to happen 30 years from now, okay? Because you're still going to be using fossil fuels. Rather than oil pushers, the Saudis see themselves as good global citizens who are trying to save the world from a catastrophic oil shortage. But as oil minister Al-Naimi told us, the kingdom is hedging its bets. We in Saudi Arabia are developing solar energy. Solar energy? Yes. You're doing research in solar energy? Yes. Where else is the solar energy the most intense? The desert. <laughs> the desert, of course. But won't that hurt your oil industry? No. No, no, not at all. It will supplement it. Our vision is that we will be exporters of gigawatts of electricity. Mm -hmm. We will be exporting both. Okay. And what was number Barrels of oil and uh, gigawatts of power. And so, he says, the kingdom will still be in the energy business long after the sun sets on the age of oil.